Well, good morning, Mission View. It is uh, truly, again, a joy to be with you. So, so thankful for this ministry, so thankful for what God is doing in us and through us. Uh, before we launch in this morning, uh, I just want to say, uh, for some of us, I think we know there are times where we would like to have been somewhere, uh, special events, opportunities. Um, that was certainly the case last week. Um, I would have loved to have been here. How many of you are here? Praise God for what happened last week. Amen. Um, I was uh, preaching at Maranatha. I saw it online, but it's not like being here. Um, and so many people over this past week in our ministry and other ministries just sharing what an incredible time of worship, an incredible time of just watching God move in the hearts of his people. Um, uh, I don't want to mention any names, but Corey Smith said... Uh, uh, he said, I could hardly sing. He said, I was just crying and, and uh, just incredible time. When you see a church step up, when you see a church say, it's not about one man. It's about, it's about Christ. It's about Christ in this church and showcasing him and singing about him and, and uh, faithfully Steve sharing last week, a, a man of God. Uh, so thankful for that. Had an opportunity, uh, what, a week and a half ago, our staff went over uh, to Stephen Lee's house. Great time of fellowship, just laughing and joking. And, and I, I wanted to make sure I was sitting right next to Steve. And um, great time, and I was holding it together. I was really holding it together well. And got up to leave, and I turned, and, and I wanted to just say how much of a shepherd he's been to me. How much of a pastor and a friend, a co-laborer. And I lost it. I lost it. And he's standing there, dry-eyed, and he goes, oh, Craig, you're so weepy. Suck it up. <laughs> and uh, so, um, so thankful that you would share that with me, Steve. Um, so thankful for, <laughs> not particularly that, but. Thankful for uh, this church. Thank you for your support. Uh, Ann and I were over last night, uh, took a meal over. Uh, I know there are so many of you right now that would like to see Steve and would like to see Lee. Uh, and um, we would just ask that you would uh, maybe send a note, a card, just an appreciation. Every night, uh, Steve and Lee and their family get together and they, uh, somewhere between five and ten cards come in every single day. And they sit down and they read those cards. And uh, they just rejoice over what God has accomplished in their lives and in your life. And so um, you maybe aren't able to necessarily get over there. But uh, would you send a, a card or a, a note to them just in a, appreciation? So, Well, uh, glad that we can continue our conversation this morning on the making of a leader. Uh, we have been talking about this incredible apostle, the Apostle Paul, that God is unfolding and unveiling uh, his uh, will for Paul's life, uh, the plans and the purpose that he has for Paul. And so God is going to be using him, and he has been using him from the persecutor of the church to a proclaimer of good news. And so the Apostle Paul has been advancing the gospel, and he's been uh, uh, planting churches along the way. And we're going to see today he's been planting churches in uh, what would be a modern-day Turkey this morning. And so, uh, but before we do, let me, let me ask you this question. How many of you are familiar with this shirt and what it means? Anyone here? This is a true 
genuine Appalachian Trail hiking shirt. This shirt verifies that you have walked, are you ready? 2,186 miles, the journey of a lifetime. If you see someone wearing that shirt, they deserve to be wearing that shirt. Uh, they deserve to be able to share uh, story after story after story over the six months that they were out on the Appalachian Trail of how they had a life-changing moment, event, time on that trail. Maybe you're not familiar with the Appalachian Trail, but someone who would wear that shirt has started from Maine and has walked all the way down to Georgia, over 2,000 miles, covers some 14 states. Incredible. Uh, someone has uh, said the best way that they can uh, describe the Appalachian Trail is it says it is the most beautiful, brutal, dangerous, breathtaking, windy, invigorating, life-changing journey of one's life. Less than 15,000 people are able to complete the Appalachian Trail. If you think about it, we're all walking a trail here. It may not be the Appalachian Trail. It may not be the Laurel Highlands Trail. It may not be uh, the Oregon Trail. It may not even be the, the, the Metro Park Trail. But we're all walking a trail. And I'm sure if we had time, all of you would share the different trails that you have found yourself on in life. Some of them are trails of sorrow where maybe you lost a job where they were downsizing and you, you feel that gut-wrenching of walking that trail of sorrow. For others, it's a trail of excitement. The mother who is giving birth to a child, it's a trail of, of tears of joy. For others, it's a, a trail of disappointment and maybe watching their kids kind of turn away from the Lord. But I think all of us have experienced those times in our life where we've walked that trail. Whether it's sorrow, whether it's sadness, or disappointment, or regret, uh, whether it's great celebration or joy or peace, I think we've all have walked that trail. And this morning as we continue in our conversation in Acts 14, we're going to see that the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, his co-labor in the faith, are blazing a new trail. And they are going to be going to some places they have never gone before, and they're going to be sharing the gospel. And like any trailblazer that they are setting out, they need to stay together, and they need to stay close to one another for what lies ahead. They're not tourists, but they are travelers. And they are traveling with a message, and the message is um, they're sharing the uh, good, uh, tell me, tell me, the good what? The good news. They're sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And so this is Paul and Barnabas's. They're the first century missionaries that have gone out, and we get a little taste in Acts 14 of what they went through. Now, this is right around 48, 49 A.D. So it is, uh, if you think about it, uh, if you think about uh, uh, when Christ uh, was crucified and resurrected around 33 AD, uh, so we're talking less than 20 years have passed. Um, so it's, it's good news that, that many have not heard, and Paul and Barnabas will share it with them. Um, and so others have heard bits and pieces about Christ, uh, but we're not very far removed from the time 
of Jesus. The good news that Jesus came to us. He came to us. Uh, no matter who we are, no matter how great we think we are, we're incapable of reaching up to God. Um, all have sinned. Uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. We're incapable of reaching up to God, but God is certainly capable of reaching down to us. Uh, the good news, uh, that uh, the good news has been given to us not because we're good, but because he is good. And so they will be spreading this message as they go out. Have a little map for you here to get some bearings this morning. So if you can see this, uh, they are starting out in Antioch all the way to the east here. There's kind of their base of operation. Paul and Barnabas are going to be sent out. And so they're going to make their way. And this is really a journey that's going to uh, take probably two and a half, three years uh, from the time that they leave Antioch to the time that they come back to Antioch. They go to Antioch. They go to Cyprus. They spend time in Cyprus. They're trying to strengthen people encourage people and then they head north to, to Perga which would be modern-day Turkey today they go to Pisidian Antioch uh, where they have shared the gospel people are receptive and then all of a sudden the whole city seems to turn on Paul and Barnabas and then all of a sudden they go to these three small towns or cities and that's where we're gonna land this morning they spend time in a town called I uh, Iconium another town called Lystra and another town called Derby, and it is there that they will be planting churches and encouraging believers and sharing the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So um, we're going to just kind of, uh, uh, for lack of uh, uh, wording, uh, call this trailhead number one, uh, uh, Iconium. Follow along, uh, Acts chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Now at Iconium they entered together, that's Paul and Barnabas, into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their leaders to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country, and there they continued to preach the gospel. So what do we see happening from the very beginning is Paul and Barnabas go into this town, this city called Iconium, but they go to someplace specific. Where, where do they go? What's it say that they went? They went to the... The synagogue. Uh, this is the place where things were happening. It was the, uh, the pulse of the city, uh, socially, politically, uh, spiritually. People were gathered at the synagogue, and Paul and Barnabas immediately go where they know the people are going to be at. And so uh, people would come there to discuss life matters and to uh, exchange public debate. And it says they both spoke boldly. And I'm sure they spoke affectionately about the birth and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So much that it tells us that some of the Jews believed and some of the Gentiles believed. It was an incredible time of seeing fruit as they are heading into and going into a city they've never been before. And people are being receptive to the word of God. I wish we could just end there. Because that's just a great place to stop. But what we see happening is even though there are Jews and there are Gentiles that are believing and receiving Christ, there is a mass of people, 
of unbelieving Jews that are trying to poison the minds of those who are listening. And they are trying to turn the minds and turn the hearts away from the people so that they will not listen to what Paul and Barnabas have to say. Can I just say there will always be naysayers? There will always be those who will reject the truth. There will always be those who will scoff and mock and ridicule the truth. There will always be those who will try to turn us away and cause us to deny, to deny the truth. There will always be naysayers. But don't let that discourage you. Don't let that discourage us. Because even though there may be a mass of people that are rejecting and scoffing the word of God, there always seems to be those one or two in the crowd that are listening. And they're listening intently. And you remember the time when you listened intently. And, and the Spirit of God had your full attention. And you begin to listen and you begin to realize, I need Christ in my life. And so even though they are uh, rejecting and even though they are telling people, don't listen to Paul, don't listen to Barnabas, God is still going to be raising up people who will listen and want to receive and understand the truth of the living God. The voice of Christ triumphs over the voice of those who mock the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, it tells us that Paul and Barnabas are not offended or fearful of these people. Instead of heading back to the trail, they, they stay there a while. Uh, because of the boldness that God has given them, they decide to stay in Iconium even though they feel like they're being threatened and they are encouraging the church. They are encouraging believers as they're establishing a church in Iconium. But people are divided. There's tension that is rising. Ever happen in your family? You ever feel tension rising in your family or tension rising in the workplace or in the school that you, you go to? There's tension that's rising. And the reason why it's rising is some are siding with Paul and Barnabas and some are siding with these unbelieving Jews. And you can feel and sense that friction to the point of where a plan is concocted by both the Jews and the Gentiles to mistreat and stone Paul and Barnabas, and they learn of this plan, and so they jump back on the trail and head towards a town called Lystra. Lystra is about 30 miles from Iconium, and it says that it was there in Lystra that they preached the word of God. Well, before we go any further, let me give you three uh, factors as it, we're talking about the making of a leader, but three uh, applications that we can kind of take and, and remember and, and hold on to. Uh, number one is this. If you want to be effective for the Lord, you need to be where the people are at. You need to be where the people are at. Paul and Barnabas, when they went to Iconium, they went into some place where there was a lot of people. Uh, other times when there wasn't a synagogue, they would go into the marketplace. But they went where the people were gathered. And let me just encourage you, Mission View, wherever God has you, wherever you live, whether it's North Canton or Jackson or wherever, go where the people are. Find the venues where you live where people are gathered for a reason and be intentional in going to those places so that you would have the opportunity to share Christ with someone else. Go where they are gathered. The second is there will always be receivers and there will always be rejectors of the truth. Don't let that cause you to stop living your life for the Lord. There will always be those who will reject the Lord and turn from him. 
But oh, there will be those few that will listen and they will understand and they will be drawn in. A third, good leadership involves having other good leaders who have your back. Uh, Barnabas is loyal to Paul. Paul is loyal to Barnabas. There's nothing better than when you're going out and you're blazing a new trail. There's nothing worse than going by yourself. How many of you enjoy traveling with somebody else? Okay. Uh, it's kind of boring. If you had the opportunity to go to Israel by yourself, you'd think, man, I would love to be able to share that with someone. I think that's why Jesus had the disciples go out two by two. I think that's why many of these apostles and leaders that are doing church planning are going out with others because they're, they're watching and they have each other's back. There's a sense of loyalty there. That's important in the area of leadership. So trailhead number two, they find themselves in Lystra. Look at verses eight to 10. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He learned... He listened to Paul speaking, and Paul looked intently at him, and seeing that he had faith to be made well, said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. What an incredible miracle that is happening here. They walk into Lystra. There's a man who is crippled. He's been crippled since when? Tell me. Since birth. Uh, you do realize that he probably has seen life from about a two, two and a half foot level because he's been crippled. And he is dialed in to what Paul is sharing. And Paul is sharing the gospel. And you can, Paul can tell uh, that this man is a man of faith and desires to be healed. Have you ever met somebody like that? Maybe they're a stranger. And all of a sudden you begin to talk with them and maybe something is said or just the way that they respond, you think, I wonder if that person knows the Lord. And so Paul is talking, and he sees this man has a desire to be healed. And Paul yells in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. Get on your feet. Get up and make it happen. Oh, wait, that's Gloria Estefan. Sorry. Um, uh, stand up on your feet. And, and the man responds. It's not like, I'm trying to. You know? It's not like, well, tomorrow I'll be better. No, immediately he stands up and he is what? Healed. He is not 56% healed. He is 100% healed. Let's remember, when Paul and Barnabas went into these cities and towns to establish the church, they went in to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, not to do miracles. But occasionally miracles did happen that gave testimony of the great name of Jesus Christ. So this man is healed. Now you could imagine, we're all from Lystra. And a man who has been crippled from birth uh, automatically is healed and stands up. The amount of celebration just from this man alone, I'm sure was incredible. The, the thought of springing up. He didn't even know what springing meant. And the Lord healed his legs and he was healed. Can you imagine the celebration, not only in his heart, but maybe his family? And maybe you would think that the entire community of Lystra would say, tell us more about this Jesus who has just healed this man. You would think they would say, we want to know who this Jesus is. Uh, wrong. That is not the response 
at all. And we think, what? They, they wouldn't respond by wanting to know more about Jesus? Well, here's why. Verses 11 to 13. And when the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifice with the crowds. Do you see what is happening here? They're not giving God the glory for this miracle. They don't even know the God of this miracle. They think Paul and Barnabas are what? Gods. That they have come to earth in mortal form, human form. Paul and Barnabas are a little rusty in their Lyconian language, and they don't even realize what's going on here uh, almost until it's too late. Have you ever heard the expression lost in translation? This is it. This is it. Quick, quick story. How many of you ever done any international traveling? Just raise your hand. Yeah, you know when you leave the United States in the comfort of your home and you fly someplace overseas, different sights, smells, sounds, uh, fashion, food, language. So I am flying from Georgia to LAX to Seoul, Korea. I am on my way to Jakarta, Indonesia, but I have to get my luggage and then I have to recheck it. So there I am in the terminal, and um, I, I'm not quite sure who to talk to. I go up to the desk, and the lady, I can tell, speaks very limited English. And that's the case because she's Korean. And so I'm doing the Pictionary game with her. I'm trying to, you know, tell her my bags and everything. We seem to be all good. She hands me my boarding pass and looks at me with a smile and says, Tim T. Timothy. And I thought, Timothy? What is Timothy? And, and I, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Timothy, Timothy. And, and I know she thought I was deaf because I must have asked her four or five times, I'm sorry, what is that? Excuse me, help me, Timothy. And I could tell she was starting to get a little bit frustrated. And I'm thinking, I don't understand what you're saying, but apparently this is important. And then I thought she meant, oh, they're having tea on the flight. So I said to her, I said, no, no, no tea for me. To which she went and looked at me and, and she said, no, 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 Timmel tea. Finally, a manager came over. She said something to him. He walked up to me and he said, what she's been trying to tell you is terminal three. Terminal 3. And I wanted to say, oh, yeah, yeah, who wouldn't know that? Terminal 3. Terminal 3. What she said and what I heard got lost in translation. That is what is happening here with Paul and Barnabas. They don't know Lyconian. But the people are now praising Paul and Barnabas, saying, we believe they're gods. They're wanting to bring in oxen, to have the oxen slaughtered to make sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas. A side note, in Greek mythology, uh, and it's called mythology because it's a myth, it was common for the gods to come to earth in human form, though they did not always do so for the good of man. The people of Lystra, legend, 
the people of Lystra had been told that right around their city or their town at one time, both Zeus and Hermes came. And they went door to door asking for hospitality, and not one person gave them hospitality except an older couple. Zeus and Hermes were so upset about this that they completely flooded the land and destroyed everyone except this couple. This may help explain why the people of Lystra were so quick to honor Paul and Barnabas because they saw Paul and Barnabas as the source of the miracle and believed that they were gods. The purpose of the miracle was so that people would showcase who Jesus Christ is. But it, it ended up fueling their pagan beliefs, thinking Paul and Barnabas were gods. And suddenly, suddenly the clue phone goes off the wall, and Paul and Barnabas realize what's about to happen. They're going to make sacrifices to Paul and Barnabas because they think they're gods. And we see what happens here in verses 15 to 17. Uh, look, go to 14. But when the apostle Barnabas and Paul, and you will see this is the first time that you see a reference to Paul being called an apostle and Barnabas. It says, but when the apostle Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd. Uh, the tearing of the garment uh, was uh, what Jews do because of blasphemy. They didn't just see this situation as being an inconvenient situation. They saw this situation as blasphemy before the holy, their holy God. They cried out in verse 15, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways, yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Paul speaks some very strong and bold words to these people, saying, you must turn from your idol worship. It is wrong for you to be worshiping these mythological gods. They seek to reason with them, to consider the real God, the maker of heaven and earth and all creation. The things of God must stand alone. They should not be mixed with idolatry. You know, my daughter right now is uh, serving uh, as a third grade teacher in uh, Thailand. And I just Skyped with her before I came here. And uh, we were talking and she told me that uh, the children, it's a Christian school, uh, but the children will wear their Buddhist necklaces and uh, they will uh, sing songs about Jesus, but they will go home and they will worship Buddha. And so they have kind of intertwined Jesus and Buddha, thinking it is okay to worship Buddha and it's okay to worship Jesus. These things should not be mixed together. Paul says it's the living God, verse 17 who did not leave himself without witness, for he, he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. He's, he's saying, listen, the Lord, the living God has done this. It is not your um, made-up gods. It's not this idolatry. It's the one true living God that has done this. 
And you would think that after hearing this, they would say, we want to know who this Jesus is. But again, we would be wrong. Because look at verse 18. Even with these words, they scarcely restrain the people from offering sacrifices to them. Even with all of this, Paul and Barnabas had an extremely difficult time challenging the people of Lystra with the wrong perception of God. It doesn't just happen in Thailand. It doesn't just happen in China. It even happens here. But idolatry takes on a different form in America today called materialism. So it's okay to serve the God of money, but I can also serve the living God. It's okay to honor and serve the God of materialism, but I'm also intertwined with Jesus. And you can see how we can get so messed up that we've given our heart to another instead of the one true living God. Look at verses uh, 19 and 20. I'm just going to read them uh, to you and then make some application here. It says, But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Now, here he had been in uh, uh, Pisidia, Antioch. He had shared the gospel. At one point, it seemed like everyone was open to it. And then it seemed like the whole town um, gangs up on Paul and Barnabas, which caused them to go to Iconium. Now they have these people from Antioch showing up again, stirring the pot, uh, getting tension going, and they, they persuaded the crowds to stone Paul and drag him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. Verse 20, But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. Are you, are you for real? You have just gotten stoned. Stoned, okay, stoned. Not stoned, stoned, okay. <laughs> just gotten stoned. And Paul, the next day, is getting up and going back to the very place where they just stoned him. That should tell you something about his passion to share Christ. That even at the sake of his own body, he is willing to be relentless in going back and sharing about Jesus Christ. Couple applications here. Number one, share Christ with others where they are at. Share Christ with others where they're at. Uh, the way that Paul and Barnabas share Christ in Iconium with the Jews in the synagogue, probably talking about the Old Testament, is going to be so much different than the way that they're sharing Christ with those who have these pagan beliefs of the mythological Zeus and Hermes and all of them. Meet people where they're at. Okay. Second, put your trust in God, not people. You say, well, why? Because people will let you down. How many of you have been let down by somebody? Just raise a hand. I think all of us have probably been let down by a spouse or a friend or a, a co-worker, a, a child. Uh, people will let you down. How, how do we know that? Well, the very people who praised them one moment in Lystra, uh, they praised uh, them, uh, Paul and Barnabas, thinking that they were gods. The very next scene is they see them wanting to stone him and throwing stones at him. Someone has said this, the very people who praise you for how you drive the bus are the very ones who the next moment will throw you under the bus. I think that's true. So they have gone from Iconium to Lystra, 
And then it tells us in verse 20, last part of verse 20, trailhead number three, Derby. It says this. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. Now, this is, again is about 30 miles from, from Lystra, um, but he, he will find himself uh, sharing the gospel, encouraging these people, discipling them. Uh, we don't know how long Paul and Barnabas were in Derby, but we can assume they began at the synagogue and shared the incredible message of Jesus Christ. There comes a point in a journey when you say, I think it's time to go home. I think it's time to go home. They, they've been out two and a half, almost three years. And here they are in Derby, and they come to a realization of, you know what? It's time to go home. We have done a great work here. We have, we have planted churches. And, and, and so it's time to go home and get some much-needed rest. You, you would think that they would just kind of take a shortcut from Derby back to Antioch, but they don't. All of a sudden, we see... Paul retracing his steps, going back on, onto the trail and retracing all the places that he went so he would encourage them and disciple them. And so verses 21 to 28, we see returning home. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoke, to, uh, spoke the word in Perga, they went down to uh, Atalia, Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, where they had been commended to the grace for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them. Now he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained, and they, uh, remained no little time, and they re remained no little time with the disciples. Paul and Barnabas must have loved these people and these churches so much that they would be willing to go back to the very same places where they felt tension and they threw stones at them and they ridiculed them and mocked them. They felt strong enough to go back and to strengthen those churches to establish elders, to establish leadership of what is going on. Paul and Barnabas were relentless in the work that God had them do regardless of the hardships, regardless of the adversity that they faced. Interesting enough, in verse 22, Paul tells these followers of Christ when they return, in verse 22, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. He's implying that following Jesus will be far from being easy, but it is so worth it. They come back to Antioch, their base of operation. They give a report of all that is done. This is what happens when you do a missions trip, by the way. You don't just go on the missions trip and have a great time, but you come back and you what? You report about it. You share about it. Someone will say, well, how was your trip in Guatemala? Oh, it was incredible, and you will give a report about it. 
How was your trip when you went to Mexico? Some of you just got back from Escales, Mexico, and giving a report to the people of the church in regards to the strength and the people that are there. Our journey to be all in for the living God is never without obstacles and risk. I think you'll remember the words from Amazing Grace where it says, through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace hath brought me safe this far, and grace will lead me home. This isn't a portion of scripture that we would just open this morning and go, oh yeah. But here's the question. What trail are you blazing these days? What trail are you walking? And is God on that trail with you? Maybe it's the trail that you're blazing in your workplace where you are showcasing Jesus Christ and you are a light to that corporation. Maybe you're trailing a blaze for your family right now and you're trying to set an example to your family of what it looks like to live out Jesus Christ. Maybe it's at your school, middle school, high school, college and you may feel like you're the only person there that knows Christ, but it's a trail that you're walking every day and you're a shining light for the glory of God. What trail are you blazing these days? Maybe it's a trail for some of you where God will have you go to Guatemala or God will have you go to Ukraine or God will have you go to Cambodia and you'll be able to blaze that trail and see God use you in a mighty way, and you'll be able to come back and report all that the Lord has done. Some of us may never go to Ukraine. Some of us may never go to uh, Jakarta, Indonesia. But God has you right here to blaze that trail. And you know where you need to blaze it. And you know the impact that you can make in this community, in your families, in your school, in your workplace, where you work out, you can be blazing a trail these days. But let's make sure it's a trail that we see the footprints of God all the way there and all the way home. So this past week, when I was over at Steve's house, someone had written a letter to Stephen Lee. And um, when Lee read it, I thought, after Steve's message on man of God and hearing what Paul and Barnabas do, I just want to read you about two quick sentences or paragraphs. Hold on. <laughs> uh, okay. I got it. Had it. Thank you, God for the direction of my pastor, a man after my own heart, or a man after your own heart. I have to say, I will now picture you doing the same thing when you're walking through the door of heaven. One last thing, you have shown me how to run the race like I have never seen it run before. And my prayer is that you would enter heaven out of breath. What a challenge for us that right to the end that we would enter heaven out of breath. Whatever trail it is that you're on 
make sure you see the footprints of God. And no matter how long God has you here, he's going to give you opportunities if you're wanting to honor and glorify him. Don't be afraid to blaze that new trail. Don't be afraid to be a spokesperson, an ambassador for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're not going to get a shirt at the end of your life that says AT, Appalachian Trail. God is not going to be handing out Appalachian Trail shirts when you get to heaven. But I believe he has something better than an Appalachian Trail church. I think that God, in his sovereignty, if we have been faithful and we've been blazing a new trail, we will hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my kingdom. This is why we are an ambassador. This is why we blaze a new trail, so that we would honor him in all that we do. May we find ourselves at the end of our life being out of breath for the glory of God. Amen? Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for using people like Paul and Barnabas. We thank you for using people like Steve and others. We thank you for the elders that are here. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us the passion and the power to be able to, to be a church plant and to continue to plant churches. That we would be so passionate for the things of God, that when we come to the end of our life, like this woman had written, that we would be out of breath when we reach heaven because we, have been, we are spent for the glory of God. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of my kingdom. Lord, we ask this morning that you would challenge us to not just go to work every day and not just to be involved in our family and not just go and work out, but there is an intentional purpose of blazing that trail, of letting people know who you are, just as Paul and Barnabas did in these towns. For your glory, in whose name we pray, amen.